You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. All right. First of all, some high-quality acting in that video. Uh-huh. No Oscars given out yet, but maybe a for nomination. Hey, long way to go today and a short time to get there. And so I uh, want to um, just throw out something to you, let you know what's going on. Um, most people that come to our church don't really have a frame of reference for how many dollars it takes to manage our organization. And so as we're asking you to steward your resources so that you can give to the Lord effectively, we want to make sure that those dollars that are given are actually given um, uh, that we're taking that seriously. We're stewarding those the best that we can. And, and so every once in a while, we'll ask questions of what we're doing. And, and let me give you a number that will shock you. It shocked me. Um, I didn't know this, but it, shock, it shocked me. Um, we spend $1,600 a month on donuts. <laughs> you guys are hungry. Here's a funny thing. Uh, our donut order number has been the same since January, but the consumption rate's going way down. So uh, good job on your New Year's resolutions. That's <laughs> what that means. Uh, but so we have to wrestle with this question. Like the donuts over the years have been a big piece of the vision of our church, right? Like you come to our church, we won't cut your donut. We'll give you a whole donut. Like we care about you. We're giving you a whole donut. And that's been, we were known early on, we were known as the donut church. That was where all the kids wanted to come to our church. And I was like, great, because we get to talk to your parents. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where eventually we have to wrestle with, is this a good use of God's money? And so our elders, and I'm really proud of them for this, they have made a decision, and the decision is that we are going to stop ordering donuts. That's only like, half of the like decision. four people are clapping. They're like... Yeah. The rest of you are like, that's my breakfast. Don't take my breakfast away. Here's the reality. What we're going to do with that $1,600 is reinvest it back into our benevolence program. And that's worth celebrating. I'm really proud of our elders wanting to do that and, and uh, make sure that we're honoring the Lord with those dollars, just like we're asking you to do. Um, and so uh, I'm particularly amped about this topic, and um, I am not angry. I might come off like I'm a little edgy. I'm just super passionate about this because this is one of those places where God says, draw a clean line and see if, you want, if I don't show up in your life in really amazing ways. And any time that, you know, we try to make sure that we don't draw lines that God doesn't draw. And so our church has been known to take some grayer stances in areas where churches over the years have been black and white. But this is one of those where it's pretty clean and we got to honor it. And, and I'm so passionate for you to honor this because when you do, God will show up in your life in ways that you never even thought possible. Like you will literally experience the blessing of God in whole new ways. And the things that we hold so tightly to and count those as our A blessings will look like they're at best their M blessings because of the A blessings that God will give back to you when you're faithful with this stuff. And so I want to talk about this within that context. I'm passionate about this, but I want to start a little bonus verse. This is a verse that the Lord gave me this morning uh, as I was um, just spending some quiet time. And, and this is really, really a great, it's a great verse. Galatians 5.25. Here's what it says. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, here's what that means. 
If you say you're a Christian, okay, if you call yourself a Christian, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity. If you claim to live by the Holy Spirit, you must also walk by the Holy Spirit with personal integrity. Here's what that means. If you claim to be a Christian, act like a Christian. Which is an important message for the church today because the church all over is full of people who are willing to fight like the devil for the things of God, and it's not okay. If you claim to be a Christian, act like a Christian. Now, you're free to choose. You don't have to act like a Christian. I'm not making you. You're free to choose. But if you're not going to act like a Christian, don't call yourself a Christian. You with me? This is the beginning of this whole conversation. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, act like a Christian. It's a decision that we make. It's a choice. And that's where we're at this week. In the ABCs, we talked about attitude, bondage, and today we're going to talk about choice. And so I want to cut out most of this Proverbs 3 passage here, but I want to focus in on the last piece. And what's going on here is that what he's saying is, listen to my teaching and follow the Lord's commands because God's love for you is way more than you could ever imagine. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. And because of that, you can trust him with all your heart because wherever he takes you is good. You can, you can trust him because whatever he takes, wherever he takes you is good. God is so for you. He is so in love with you that wherever he takes you, it's good. You just have to trust it. You just have to trust it. Now, I want to read the last uh, two verses of this passage then. It says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. So then what part of my wealth am I supposed to honor God with? The first fruits. I mean, yes, all of it, specific, but specifically here, the first fruits. And I know a lot of people who are giving to the Lord, but they're not experiencing the blessing of God because they're not doing it God's way. There's a lot of people who, just like this video, will pay all their life first, and then if they have anything left over, they'll give to God. They will, and they're faithful about it. But that's not how God wants to be given to. It's not how he wants to be treated. And by the way, he's God. He's worthy of better. It's his breath in our lungs. By the way, I loved worship today. Loved worship today. Not, not I mean, we have a great worship team, but gosh, I just, whew, like sometimes the Holy Spirit just sits right on my shoulder and says, sit with me for a minute. And it was just really good for me. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't really care. But for me, it was awesome. It was awesome. But I love it. It's your breath in my lungs. If that's true, then how dare we give him anything less than our first? It's honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all you produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. It's then. When we honor God with the first fruits of our life, that's when we begin to experience the blessings that God has for us. And this is profound for us. And so here's, here's the reality. The, the assumption that most of us make, if we're not giving, is that if I just had more money, I'd be set. If I just had more money, I'd be set, and then I would give. Here's the truth. No, you won't. Not true. If you don't choose to honor the Lord with your life now, you're not going to do it when your circumstances change, because honoring the Lord isn't a matter of circumstances. It's a decision of the heart. The, the National Endowment for Financial Education says this. In fact, 70% of people who win a lottery or get a big windfall actually end up broke in a few years. Why? Because they don't have a plan. 
That's the problem. The problem is we haven't chosen to have a plan. And Josh said this really well in our first week. He's like, your money has a plan for you. It plans to leave you. It has a plan for you. So you better have a plan for it. Right? And for most of us, our money plans to leave us faster than we plan what to do with it. And so um, the issue, the reality is the issue with financial freedom isn't the amount. It isn't the amount in your bank account. It isn't the amount that you're giving. It's a choice. And the good news is it's 100% your choice. It is absolutely 100% your choice. By the way, this is true of all of life. Your life is summed up in the decisions that you've made. Now, here's the deal. You can say all day long, but you don't know my past, but you don't know my parents, but you don't know the, the hard things. You don't know the obstacles. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. That's true. You don't get to pick the hand that you've been dealt, but you absolutely get to pick how you play it. That is your choice. It's your choice to take care of yourself. It's your choice where you put your priorities. It's your choice how you treat your spouse. It's your choice how you treat your kids. It's your choice. Life is about your choice. It's not about the circumstances you were handed. It's about the choice that you, how you choose to deal with them. And for some of us, there are obstacles. Every single person has obstacles. Every single person does. It's about how we choose to deal with it. And so for us, at the end of the day, when we talk about tithing, we're not talking about getting your finances in order so that you'll have enough money to give. We're talking about the decision to honor God with our finances. So we're going to begin with what is a tithe. So I'm going to let Josh talk about that. Absolutely. Well, we talk about what is a tithe and really uh, the Lord talks about it in uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus. I'll read the Deuteronomy verse said, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. We have farmers who do this. We have farmers that will send us an order and I have this order and they're like, you have to execute a sale to get to sell this wheat or whatever it is, garbanzo beans, to have the 10% that comes to the church. So people still do that today, but even in your own life, so like we're trying to define this tithe thing. So I'll give you a couple examples, personal examples. So I sold Cousin Eddie this summer, and Cousin Eddie is affectionately known as our, our fabulous motorhome that my dad gave to me. And I sold that bad boy. It was a real beaut. It was real nice. I sold that bad boy for $4,250. I wrote a check to the church for $425. That was an increase. My dad gave me the motor home, right? And I sold it and received funds for it. So I tithed on that. How about this from a, like a, even a smaller example? Uh, my daughter was talking to me yesterday, my youngest, and she received $193 for her birthday a couple weeks ago. $193. Did you ever get that, Aaron? I have never gotten $193 for any special occasion. And so my daughter gets this birthday money, right? Which you're supposed to go spend on amazing things. Probably it's all going to Dutch Brothers, uh, you know, and all that good stuff. But uh, she was super excited to come to church today because she's going to tithe, give 10% of the $193 that was given to her. So does that clear up for any of us in here what a tithe is and where that might, any increase you get, any funds you get from your job or a blessing you get from a relative or anything like that, when it comes into finances and dollars, that is the tithe, right? The second part is where does this amazing tithe thing go? Okay, and in the text, it's going to say it goes to the Levites. It goes to the priests to support the work that they do. So the tithe would come here in the Old Testament, comes to the church, and it supports many of the things that our church does, like 1,300 hours in counseling, 
Many of you may have received and benefited from that, from the churches that we support, all those great things that are happening, the money that for the tithe, God says for it to come here. And then Aaron hit it pretty well. The tithe should be the first tenth of everything. It's not the leftovers. It's not, it's not whatever piece of leftover pizza you want to give to God. It's on the front end. And just that act of faith to put God first, right? Remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Do you want the leftovers that God has for you? Because he didn't give any of us leftovers when he gave us his son. He gave us the best. He gave us his first. He gave us his only. Why would we not do that the same way for God? So we're going to talk about eight principles of tithing today. And um, we're going to have to race through these, but these are important. And um, we'll talk about a lot of, uh, listen, I've been in ministry a long time now, and I've heard a lot of excuses about why um, you don't have, your, your situation is the one that God didn't think about. Um, oh, that's the loophole God didn't account for. I just want to say this on the front end of this conversation. God is really smart. He knows like everything. And so he probably had your situation in mind when he gave us our principles that we're supposed to live by. Just saying. Uh, let's read out of Malachi 3. This is a popular verse on this topic. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. Here's what that means. Hey, let's go back to our opening verse. If you call yourself a Christian, act like a Christian. If you call yourself a Christian and you're not tithing, you're stealing from God. That's what it says. You're stealing. Call it what it is. If I'm not tithing, I'm stealing. Here, think about this. If somebody walked into your house and just started carting things out, you would have a problem with that. Hey, wait a minute. That's not yours. You don't have the right to take my stuff out of my house. At least not without asking, right? It's weird. God feels the same way. I mean, read the book of Haggai. It's the, the whole premise of that. The problem that God has with the people is that they're taking his things and building their life with it. You're stealing from God. Call it what it is. You want to be a Christian? Act like a Christian. If you don't want to be a Christian, it's your choice. I think it's a bad choice, but it's your choice. You're free to choose, but don't call yourself a Christian and then act like you're not, right? So principle number one is that the tithe belongs to the Lord, not to us. It's not yours. It's not yours. So you don't have the right to go, oh, well, God, would God expect me? Would God expect me to? Listen, yes, he would. Our, our campus pastor, Thad, in, in Pullman, he, when they decided to get their finances right with the Lord, they had to sell a great big house and move into a double-wide trailer, double-wide mobile home with a bed in the living room so that they could put their money in a way that honored the Lord. Would God ask me to sell my house? Yeah. You know why? Because he's more important. Make the choice to honor him. Now that doesn't, Thad lives in a house today. It doesn't mean he's going to stay there forever, but that may be where you have to start. Would God want me to not have cable? Yeah, actually. I mean, if that's what it takes, but the problem is we're making a false choice there. It's my lifestyle or do I give to the Lord? And what's way more important is who's your God? Yeah. That's the decision. Once you make that decision, all of those other pieces fall into place. 
Now, that doesn't mean that you have to make that choice because having things isn't bad, but having things at the expense of honoring the Lord is. If you can honor the Lord with the first fruits and live in a house, that's great. But if you have to choose, honor the Lord. If you have to choose, honor the Lord, always. It's all his. All right, so the Lord wants it, and he calls the storehouse in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, the church. It was the temple, and it's a church. And so Jesus is talking here in Mark, and he says, uh, he's watching, observing these people give at the temple, and he sees uh, people that are giving, and they're giving quite quite great sums amount appears and then he sees this widow comes up and she gives basically two pennies and he looks and talks to his disciples and says that she has given more than than they have because she's given it out of out of everything she has not out of her abundance and so as you think about bringing your tithe and where it goes and and, and what happens to it you know and the amount doesn't matter if you're in here and you make 1.4 million dollars a year i hope you make 140 million dollars next year and I hope you have the same heart as the person who makes $14,000 a year, putting themselves through school, working at Starbucks or whatever, and continues to give their 10%. Really, it's not about the dollar amount. God isn't worried about how much money Real Life Ministries has. He's worried about if he has your heart. Are you going to give him your heart? Are you going to bring it to the storehouse? So principle number three, we're to bring the whole tithe. All of it, 100% of it. And this, I'm like, because I hear this all the time. This, that, um, uh, well, we're, we're starting at this percentage and we're working our way up. Ugh. No, I know that sounds like it's a good idea. But if I did that, I'd have to sell my house. Yeah? Yeah? See, the problem is you chose to live your life in a certain direction and it didn't honor the Lord. And now when there's consequences for that, we don't like it but you'll never be able to engage the blessings of God in a full capacity if you're not able to honor things the way that he says to. So maybe you have to take a step backward, but I promise you over time that's 10 leaps forward because all of a sudden God's blessing is in your world. Just like this isn't a choice. Well, I have to pay this off and pay No, 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 you don't. If you have two cell phones, you can tithe. Do you know that there's free internet all over town? You can do it. Go to a coffee shop, but that's awfully inconvenient. Oh, well then the issue isn't the internet and the bills, the issue is your comfort and your lifestyle. Call it what it is. But if you wanna be a Christian, act like a Christian. Like I know this is hard, and, but honestly, somebody's gotta love you enough to tell you the truth. And I just happen to love you that much. This hurts you more than it hurts me. Okay, Dad. <laughs> this is going to hurt yeah, I you. I said that wrong. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Uh, I don't know what. The, don't, don't mess around. Don't mess around with it. Listen, there's, it, read the Bible. It never works out well when people mess around with God's stuff. It never works out well. Never works out well. Just do what God says. Okay, number four. Yeah, again, bringing it back to the storehouse, and I'm going to fly through this. But what I, what I found is interesting. Uh, last week, somebody had come up to me, and they said, did you read the rest of that Deuteronomy passage after it talks about being obedient to the Lord? And he goes, there's a whole other section, which I've read it, talking about what happens if you're not obedient to God. And so part of it, like, okay, yes, I know what a tithe is. I know it's on my increase, and I know where I'm supposed to bring it. I, you know, you know, you know, you know. Do you know that you all knew this last year? 
right? And many of you have followed it and we're proud of you for doing that. We're encouraging you to keep on, but there's a lot of folks that this is new to. So we bring it to the storehouse. Yeah, principle number five, we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse on the first day of the week. Now, this isn't a law, um, but it's the practice. It's a good practice, a habit of bringing it in. This was the practice of the early church, that they would bring it in on the first day of the week. You should bring it here and you should be excited to give it. Like, it should be like, yes, thank you, Lord. And I was able to give 10 more dollars this week. It wasn't like, it took, kicked me up to like 50%, but I gave 10 more dollars this week. Like, that's awesome. Like, I don't care. Like, we should be finding ways to be excited. That's the idea, is that within the community, we take a responsibility. Now, remember this. I'm going to run through this quickly, but remember this from Joshua 7. We talked about the children of Israel going to Jericho. God says, it's mine. Achan takes some of the stuff for himself. And 36 men lose their life because of it. Like 36 families without husbands and fathers. That's not fair. That's not fair. But here's the reality. You're responsible to the community that you're a part of. And your decisions, both for following the Lord and against it, affect everybody in the community. So for those of us in the room that are choosing not to tithe, like at some level, you're hurting my children. Why would you do that? Like in all seriousness, you're, you're robbing the community of the blessing of God. Why would you do that? Like God has these amazing things that he wants to do in the community and he's waiting for us to be faithful. Why would you rob us of that? Why would you do that? Your giving needs to be a priority. Next principle. Yeah, the tithe belongs to God. We've gone over this. We're not free to designate it or divide it or direct it. You know, the, that comes in, into here. We have elders and people that you've put in place and obviously pastors uh, that we're doing the best we can with the money. And if, and if we mess it up, it's not your fault. We'll be held accountable to that. But we're doing the best that we can to show off God the best way that we know how. And so outside of the tithe, after that 10%, there's, there's lots of other awesome opportunities. And you choose and designate and move and do whatever you want to do with those money. But the tithe belongs to the Lord. He says it's holy to him. It is set apart. It is his. Okay. Number seven. Um, by the way, to go back to that parable of the widow's might, one of the things that's interesting there is that Jesus says this woman gave more, not because of the amount, but because she gave everything she had. Now, what we want Jesus to say is, oh, honey, and go over to the, to the thing and take a big scoop of gold coins. Oh, honey, here, bless your heart. We just spent the last week in Kentucky. Bless your heart. Uh, here. You know, what, you know what Jesus says to her for being faithful like that? Nothing. He says nothing to her for it. She walks away and goes home and still has no money. giving to a corrupt temple system that Jesus knows is corrupt and is going to go away soon. Why? Because it's not about where you're giving the money. It's not about how they use the money, which I've had a lot of people say to me over the years, well, I don't like how the church uses the money. I don't like Listen, if you don't like how our church uses the money, go to a church where you can like how they use your money. If you're like, well, I don't like how any church uses the money. I just want to say this up front. It's not the church's problem. It's not the church's problem. That is an authority submission rebellion issue in your own heart and you got to get it worked out. Because you're robbing yourself of God's work in your life. It's the church leader's responsibility to administer the resources that get provided. 
It's our responsibility. And we all recognize that we're going to stand before God accountable for it. We all recognize that. Yeah, it's a heavy responsibility. We take it serious. So, uh, Number eight, it's biblical for leaders to set aside a sum of money from the tithes and offerings of God's people for mission work. We do that. You know, I was listening to last uh, year's sermon, the same sermon last year. I was listening to that, and Aaron was super excited, and he was celebrating that we had helped plant 17 churches. And he was super excited about that. This year, when we were talking about what's happened, and we sent out a letter to many of you of what you've done, uh, we've planted 20 churches. There's three more churches that we've added. There are people that are getting baptized. There are people that are having marriages healed because of your dollar. And sitting in your seat, the dollars that you put, that we're sending out to launch new churches. Is that cool or what? Like your, your, we were uh, Aaron and I got a chance to to go and do some mission work uh, this uh, last week in uh, Kentucky, Richmond, Kentucky. And when they say bless your heart, my heart was spiritually blessed, but physically it was cursed because I had so much fried food that I chose to eat. But anyway, uh, besides that, but we we're there and sharing our hearts and sharing everything that of things that you guys have done and what other people have done and encouraging people uh, churches. And I had two churches in Tennessee, um, and so we are doing mission work personally. You you have sent other mission work out there with people in, in Africa and, and all over the place. I mean, we're doing great, amazing things with your funds uh, and my funds and his funds, all of those things to, to send out missionaries. And so your money goes much farther than this community. It stays here, but it goes much farther than this community. So we've raced through this, but we're going to move towards the Lord's table now. And here's what I like about taking communion at the end of the sermon. If you've been to the 101 class, then you know this. If you haven't been to the 101 class, you need to come to the 101 class. But in one-on-one class, what we talk about is covenant. Like God is a God of covenant. When he works with people, he works in terms of covenant. Every covenant throughout scripture has a sign and every covenant has a seal. The seal is the thing that I do to, to bind me to the covenant. The sign is the public display to let the world know what my covenant is, what covenant I'm a part of. I love taking communion at the end of the service because this is a sign of our covenant. And here's what it means, and especially after a sermon like this. I've been challenged, I've been pushed on, I didn't like it, I'm wrestling, or I loved it, I'm doing great, whatever your response is. I've heard the word that we believe that the Holy Spirit gives to us to give to you every week. Like, I wish I was awesome and insightful. Like, the Lord's work in my life is the only good thing that lives in me. That's all I have to share with you. We share this with you. You wrestle, you're challenged, you're convicted, whatever. You're pushing back, you know, I don't know. Communion, taking communion together is the opportunity for us to say to everyone around us, you know what, I heard what he said and I'm still in. I'm still part of this covenant. I want in on it. But that decision comes with a cost. And so we want to work through some implications that are tied to that cost of faithfulness. If you want to be a Christian, if you want to call yourself a Christian, act like a Christian. Number one, implication. Number one, it's a command of God to tithe. It's a command. God commands it. When we violate a command, that's called sin. So choosing not to tithe is sin. Like it's what it is. And I know we don't like to hear that. We want it to be optional and how dare you and you don't have the right. I, I'm not the one saying it. It's the word of God. And so it's just my job to tell you what the word of God says. It's a command of God to tithe. If you want to call yourself a Christian, act like a Christian. 
Number two, the tithe is not a destination for believers. It's a starting point. We don't hope to show up at tithing one day. We begin there. And I would suggest that for most of us who've been walking with the Lord for a while, like we need to be looking at 10% in the rearview mirror. And the question that I always get on that is, well, how much do I have to like, I have to give 90%? Is that where God's happy? Well, God was happy with you before you gave a dime, but that's not the point. The question is, are you happy with what God's providing you? That's the point of tithing. It's a bigger topic than does God like me or is he mad at me? God's not mad at you. You're just robbing yourself of his blessings. Here's the rabbinic standard, and this is just a place to begin in the conversation. 10% is the minimum. The rabbis taught that 20% was the maximum. That's opulent generosity. So if you're like, well, then I'm giving 21%. Great. Good for you. Love that. Thank you. Thank you, because we'll get some ministry done with that. Number three, the tithe belongs to the Lord through the church and goes into the Lord's work. That's what it's always been for, and that's where it will continue to stay as far as this church is concerned. Number four, the choice to tithe is not about how much money we have or don't have. It's a choice of obedience. Nothing more and nothing less. And all the stress and the emotion and all that stuff that gets attached to this idea doesn't change the fact that at the end of all the discussion, the choice is still the same. Am I going to be obedient or not? Is that what I'm going to do? Am I going to, be, if I, am I going to call myself a Christian? Am I going to act like a Christian? Simple. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who's never asked us to do more than he's already done for us. He's proven that he's willing to go to the ends of the earth for us. And communion is one of those things. It reminds us of Jesus laying his life down for us. This is what he says. He said this, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. It's broken for you. So whenever you eat this bread, do remember to me. And in the same way, after the dinner, he took a cup and he said, this cup, it's a new covenant in my blood. So whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Lord, your word is invasive. It's hard and challenging and sacrificial to follow you. And God, I just want to say thank you that on the other side of those decisions, you are more faithful than we could ever imagine. And God, I'm thankful that you are a God who sees, who knows, God, you know the other side of the story before we give. And so I pray, God, that you would work in each of our hearts. Give us the courage to face down all the things that Satan's going to be saying to us right now. The excuses, the blaming, the whatever, the reasons why we don't have to actually do what you asked. God, all these things that Satan's doing, would you, through your Holy Spirit, empower us and give us discernment to see those lies for what they are? They're simply Satan's way of robbing us of how your amazing work in our heart. And so, Lord, I want to ask that you would give us the courage to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, 
Visit us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com. 